Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unfiltered with A, C, and B. I'm Anthony, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Bradley and Cody. How's everybody's day going so far? Oh, pretty right. good. Pretty good. I can't complain at all. Yeah. All right. Um, this is an unfiltered podcast, so I think Bradley wanted to give you a little warning of that. Yeah, so basically... We're going to say whatever the hell we want, and it might offend some people. So basically, if you're a bitch, you're not going to like this. It's probably not for you. Yeah, click the fuck off. But if you are a bitch, uh, welcome. You don't want to be a bitch. Suck a dick. <laughs> We're going to start the podcast off with a couple <laughs> fun facts here. So the first one I got is Wombat's poop is cube-shaped. Do you say cube steaks? That's interest, interesting. <laughs> I've heard Brad's like he drops some cubes. Everyone so basically, <clears throat> so they get up on a log and bend over, and shit cubes come out of their at like bullion cube, like beef kind of beef bullion cubes. Yeah, That's I mean, if you, you live in probably Australian. assimilate it to. I wonder if people run around, pick them up, and put them in baskets and use them for like whatever the hell their cuisine is. Dude. I mean, I bet there's someone out there that's fucked up enough to do that. The question, the question I gotta ask is, how does it end up cube? Like, is the is what it's coming out of shaped cube, or is it pressed into a cube on the way? What's going on there? There's probably mallets inside their ass, and it just <laughs> formed like garbage cubes are formed, but it's made out of shit. Yeah. I, I'm I agree. Guess. With that. It's good enough for me. I just... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fun fact number two: Flaming Hot Cheetos were developed by a janitor at Frito Lay named Richard Montanez, who got the mm. idea after putting chili powder on some rejected Cheetos and pitched this idea to the CEO. He is now a successful executive and motivational speaker in a movie about his life. <laughs> Is in the works. So, huh. That's really interesting to me because there's there's a lot of people out in the industry that I've met that are in, I don't, for lack of a better term, a, a lower end job that they have a lot more potential than what what they're yeah. doing. It's just they were, didn't given weren't <clears throat> given a chance or you know what have you. Yeah, I mean, my question I have about this fact is the damn movie. So we're going to be watching this guy clean shitters and all of a sudden he's fucking around with Cheetos? Like, is that how movie is? There's supposed to be a movie about it? Yeah, there's going to be a... Like, imagine all the products that were made by janitors. I'm pretty sure, like, Mr. Potato Head was made by them. Don't quote me on that. Stuff like that. Um, Those guys didn't get movies. The Flaming Hot Cheetos guy, fucking movie. I mean, it's possible, and... I mean, that's just, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that could be an interesting movie. <laughs> I wonder, maybe in the movie, they're going to have an experiment where somebody eats Flaming Hot Cheetos, like, the entire time of this, you know, during their course of, you know, like, let's say, three weeks of working at this fucking Cheetos factory. And they're doing this, like, test where if they eat nothing but Hot Cheetos... 
is a hot Cheeto going to come out of their ass with the same color and texture and potentially <laughs> flavor, or does it actually get you know processed into some <laughs> chocolate pudding? I mean, what the fuck? What is this? All I can say is, anytime I've eaten them, it's never been a pleasant experience. So. But that might change if Frito Lay sponsors our podcast. So. It's, it's kind of like Taco uh, Bell. <laughs> you know, you just uh, you get there. You know, you got to stop at one that's like ten minutes from your house. As you're eating the last bite, you run out the door and you're to your remote started vehicle, and you just fucking floor it and it's see like how fast you get to your house. <laughs> yeah, because I mean. Next thing you know, you're going to have little Debbie's brownies all over the fucking place. You're going to be like, why did brownies. I do this to myself? Like it's going to look like well, the fucking pudding that was in kids' cuisine. Yeah, I mean, it's, all the it's probably going to look, yeah. gonna look similar to the sauce that was in the bottle before they stuck it on the meat at Taco Bell. It's going <laughs> to turn back to liquid. Like, liquid, solid to liquid in less than half an hour. Imagine. Like shitting out a bird cheese jar. The cheese doesn't have enough time to process and it comes out in strands. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very plausible. This is real scientific so far. <laughs> for some. Breaking down the fun facts <laughs> for the better good. Mining chocolate. All right. <laughs> the third and final fact I got. Is the first electric car was invented in 1832 by a Scottish inventor named Robert Anderson. Batteries weren't rechargeable yet, so this only lasted about five minutes. You got five minutes drive time, new battery time. Huh. Wow, five minutes. I didn't Which, know that. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, that, Yeah. Good turn right there. Five minutes. Yeah, look, I have no horses. How's the news? Oh, and considering how slow the vehicle probably was, I mean, how far did five minutes worth of travel get you at that point? Like seven feet? 113 yeah, feet? Nobody really knows. Just imagine this motherfucker pulls up in his electric goddamn, I don't know, cart. And says, <laughs> what's up, bitches? And he's got... He's got 10,000 fucking horsepower going. <laughs> <laughs> fucking take it off. Down. So much electric power, his car does a wheelie. Um. Fucking eats shit. And then the newspaper says, ye old prick, crash his car. <laughs> I think that fact leads us into our first topic here tonight, and that is electric vehicles. How's everybody feel about electric vehicles? Uh, well, I'm not really sure if they're the greatest thing for our environment, but I think, you know, depending on the area and what people need them for, they can be beneficial, especially in, like, as far as the aspect of using less petrol. But, I mean, I guess we don't really know long-term effects of the pollution from manufacturing yet. And we're not going to know. We can say we know all we want, but we really don't. 
Yeah, at the end of the day, all that nickel and whatnot, sea mind is creating yeah, air pollution. Just a bunch of All that shit. So, but I, I, go ahead. I think, I think it's good and bad. I think it's good because if if implemented correctly, I think EVs could be a nice addition to complement what we already have as far as infrastructure and travel. But trying to push it, like I'm hearing these theories, people want it by 2025, 2030, you know, within the next less than 10 years. And the price of an EV... The I feel like there's lack of mechanics, there's lack of charge. I mean, there's no charging stations in Western Pennsylvania that I've seen, especially as you get further and further away from like Pittsburgh and Erie. So for these more rural states, I'm starting to wonder. You know, it would be nice to have one, but I don't know if that would be your only thing that you would be able to own. Like you'd have to have a gas vehicle in certain areas, or even maybe Alaska. I don't know how the batteries are the lithium cells these days, but you know those crazy cold days in like Alaska. Do all EVs work? I I don't know. I have a oh. little insight that I don't think anybody else really does. Working for a small retailer on the whole supercharger thing, I know right now we have thirteen contracts for superchargers going in at various locations. Mostly okay. at standing and existing gas stations, which I think is the most reasonable option. But you bring up that a good point sense. in these rural areas where the gas stations aren't owned by a company like Sunoco or BP. They're owned by a personal person from the community. Are they going to be paid by Tesla to have these on their facilities? Like, how is that going to happen? Yeah, I, I do wonder. There's... There's a lot more, like I said, infrastructure work, and, and I think that's physical and policy-wide. Uh, there's a lot of policies that need to be put into place that take into account more than just the metropolitan areas and big cities. And uh, the infrastructure, obviously, like I said, the, there's very few incentives out there for rural mom-and-pop shops to even look at that. It's just way too much money for them to invest in something that maybe only a couple people use in the area. Well, it's like, uh, there's this place that I work and we're doing, we're actually in the middle of a project right now. Well, we're more, more finishing it really. So we're installing some EV chargers. We had an electrical contractor come in and, you know, bury all the conduit, the lines and stuff outside, put in the six EV pumps. Um, we put a terminal in the lobby of this building that does, uh, it's a facial recognition time clock, and it also connects to an access control unit. So we have access control units that trigger an on-off signal that goes to a PLC that, com that talks to a program that's written in, I believe, Java. And it logs, so basically what it does at the end of the day is you walk up to it, scan your face in, and this is just for the company. So it'll detect who you are, 
what department you're in, yada yada. Um, you select which pump you want. You put your uh, your nozzle, whatever the hell you want to call it, in there. Charge your shit up, and when you hang it back up, it's going to somehow calculate using that PLC and uh, my NTP server and all that garbage. How much time you spent there, and how many? I think it's kilowatts per hour that you yeah. use, and it's going to compute that <clears throat> into like what that is going to cost you based on whatever price we set it up as, and it's going to come out of your paycheck automatically deducted. But see, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, it's um, like. <clears throat> yeah, it's so. What's really interesting about that to me is you were saying they're all that infrastructure, but then they're also going to try to make it so that the employees pay for the charge. But see, in, in bigger cities, that's an incentive. Like the, I I believe where my dad works, like the local government gets certain amount of grant monies where they can not only just implement the charges, but it also offsets the cost of like allowing your employees to charge there for free. So it incentivizes companies to put the charges in and allow their employees to charge there for free, which incentivizes employees to buy EVs. Like the cycle makes sense, but like you said, it's what companies are going to exploit it. You know, are they going to collect the grant money and tax their workers? And it, and how subjective <clears throat> is that? You oh, know, that's there's, what... there's a lot of infrastructure and policy. Oh, that's <laughs> what I'm not even. That's what I'm not even sure about. Is <clears throat> I don't know if um, I don't know if there was any grant money involved or not. That I'm not sure of, but I do know that this is a. Very, very expensive for just for these six pumps. I'm fairly certain it was well over 200k to have this project. I'm done. sure. And for, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so not only that, but so the incentive thing where it's practical is a good idea. Um, but one of the problems is that we have, uh, let's say, I'm just going to throw out a number and say 300 employees, and we have six chargers <clears throat> at one of the three warehouses. And currently, in the entire company, there is one person with an electric vehicle. That's it. Yeah, and that's yeah. where I think around here it's it's going to... It's going to take more time. People mm -hmm. still don't aren't keen on it. I think in general, in, in the more rural areas, are not sure about them. They, you know, what works. You're you're familiar with changing your tires and rotating them yourself, and, and changing oil and brake pads. A lot of people in the rural areas they do that. So you bring this machine in that you're not allowed to work on. I believe. I I think Tesla has a policy. You're not allowed to touch that you have to take that in. So, I mean, given that, it, it could be a little bit scary out in the rural, especially with the cost. I mean, like you said, it's over $200,000. Yeah. 
just for the pumps. That's yeah. the cost I mean, of somebody's business sometimes around here. Their whole business. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> that could be five years of business for an average business around here. Yeah, yeah, it's, easily. So it's there's That's, a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the point where somebody can get when when at the point where each household can have a charger installed like a good quality charger for you know two grand it's gonna get practical and also the cost of the vehicles can't be you know for like some of these even these gm electric pickups that they're showing coming out and they're advertising well like a potential msrp of like 150 grand there's there's a lot of people around here who can't afford a twenty thousand dollar car that's used. Yeah. Not yeah. to mention a hundred and fifty thousand dollar truck. They can't even afford the gasoline ones that are overpriced with all this inflation crap now. That's like, like seventy eighty thousand. It, it was a thirty thousand dollar truck two years ago. Well, that's exactly. And you know you look at the savings of it too, and it makes sense to want to get one, but. Then, like you said, not only you have the electrical costs, and around here it's very gray area whether you're going to get charged for it or not. <clears throat> and then on top of it, the the lithium cells, I believe they have an average of an eight to ten year lifespan on them expectancy, and it yeah. takes a specialized electrician to tear those apart and find the bad cell. Like it's not just one big battery that they replace; it's a bunch of cells that make up. So they got to go in there through all these dangerous cells. I mean, I, you can just imagine how expensive this is probably going to run into. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because... for general things you need. I think um, we all can agree that <clears throat> it's a good idea. The policy and the infrastructure needs to change. Yeah. And the changes shouldn't be forced upon everyday Americans, everyday global citizens. We should start somewhere where the larger problem is. I feel like the semis, that, that traffic is constant. It's going across. It's necessary traffic. Yeah. But starting with those bigger shipping, yeah, starting with those bigger shipping companies that can actually afford to put money into an electric semi, which I think Tesla is actually developing, but then that brings up the question, if these trucks are shipping in areas that are rural, they're going through areas that are rural, how do we account for the fact that these trucks have to stop and charge? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure one of those has to have one of the higher powered chargers to even get anywhere. Oh, okay. But but no, going back to the idea, no, I like the idea for sure of EVs. I think if we could integrate EVs with our current infrastructure and leave it at that, I think it would be perfect. And and honestly, I would own one. If a Tesla 3 series with the self-driving capability wasn't 60K, I probably would have had one last year. But, I mean, just to add the self-driving capability was 20 grand. I don't know. I wasn't ready for that jump yet. There was, uh, when I was in Florida for a week last year, I actually got, like, that's what I drove. It was, you know, a friend of mine's vehicle, and I think it was a Kia Forte, and it was a hybrid. And I'll tell you what, it was nice to just turn the key on and not make any noise and just quietly back on up and pull out your drive. And it felt good. Like, it drove nice. 
um, you know, all the sen the side sensors and blind spot alerts. That stuff's all cool. The uh, some of the vehicles with the autonomous like braking, if they th think you're going to hit something, that's you know that can be a bad thing or it can be a good thing. But overall, I think it's fairly well designed, <clears throat> and it being a hybrid is what made me like it more. If it was fully electric, I wouldn't be. I'm not like fully on board with a 100% electric vehicle just yet because it wouldn't be practical for everywhere that I go. But it it's a hybrid wouldn't be out of the option, but a full electric one, as of right now, I I wouldn't be able to make <clears throat> use of it all the time. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think that's where we're missing the steps here. We have these hybrid cars, and I'm looking into one. They're reasonably priced. Uh, Toyota RAV4 is what I'm looking into. It's 30 grand. It's a brand new car. It's the normal mm -hmm. price for a brand new car on average, especially an SUV. So they're not more expensive. You're getting 50 miles per gallon. So you're having a huge increase, decreasing the amount of emissions you're letting off per mile. And I think that's the reasonable place to go. Not by 2026, we need everybody in electric vehicles, full <coughs> electric. I think you yeah. can look at, I want maybe 75% of the population on hybrid. Mm -hmm. Or electric. Yeah, I'd... If it were up to me, I would say it, it just needs to be an addition to what's there. They need to stop trying to cut back and take away from people and just say, hey, here's some EVs. Let's get some infrastructure going physically so that we can support those EVs and allow people to get into them. You know, a family member gets one, somebody has to ride with them for a week. Next thing you know, somebody else might end up liking one that hated it just because of a stigma. And I think there would be a lot of benefits to just being passive and and letting it trickle out on its own, just like mm -hmm. anything else. Well, that's not only that, like, if you look at good. Oh, I was actually going to say it was something I was looking at myself with uh, the business that I do. With I have like express van, so six liter, thirty five hundred gas engine. Um, and they're actually looking at at least General Motors, last I saw, they were supposed to, I think it was 2025 is the last production year projected for gas or I think also diesel engined uh, express vans. So all express vans and uh, GMC Savannahs are to be replaced with EVs in 2026. And I still see here that I'm looking now, there is still articles up about it. But whenever this news was first released on all these different, you know, news sites, people in these, uh, like, on your social media as an express van and forums, because you got, you know, uh, Comcast workers, uh, IT guys, gas, well, like, technicians, field agents, things like that, that mm. go to all these places that, there, there's no way they can have, like, at least not right now, a fully electric vehicle with the infrastructure that's out there because they're going to end up stranded everywhere. And uh, they're shitting their balls right now because they're like, what the hell? I'm supposed to do this yeah. shit. It's going to fucking die on me. And, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to do their job, essentially. 
So they're pissed yeah. off. And from what I'd heard, at least over the last couple of weeks, I haven't found any good solid article on it yet. But from what I heard, it may be, or General Motors may be backpedaling on that because of the flack they're getting. But, I mean, personally, I would like to see that because I don't think the world is ready for something as essential as uh, cargo vans are in just everyday society in this country. I don't think they're ready for a full changeover to electric because if once you run out of that option, like that's going to hurt a lot of businesses bad. Yeah. And that's, that's going to hit them hard. It's a big domino effect. That's really scary to think about. Yeah. Then just look at hybrids though. If you look at them when they first came out, what was it like 15 years ago? We had a good bit of hybrids coming out. Their prices were pretty high. They're up where Tesla's and stuff like that are right now. Giving that supply line and production line more time to develop and mature will decrease cost and decrease the overall price to the consumer. And I think the reasonable thing here is don't push electric vehicles yet. Plan to in the future. Start pushing hybrids now. Yeah. Yeah. That makes I mean, more sense. Be, at mm-hmm. least be a little more subtle in some way. Yeah, let it let it trickle in over like the next, honestly, 20 years. Because look at, like you said, 15 years ago, the price of uh, shit back then, it was high. And now it's like reasonable. I think the same thing's going to happen with these electric vehicles. And we're going to have to have that kind of time frame to trickle everything in like gradually. And we can't just cut out gas like that. Like it's, it's not going to be feasible, you know, and, and maybe in 20 years, we're going to have, you know, like now you have your, uh, uh, not great value, but like Amazon basic stuff, you're going to have your Amazon basics, smart car or electric car. And I mean, they're going to be just more, everyday routine maybe their spaceships won't look like dicks by that point hopefully <laughs> yeah maybe uh um, maybe they need to get on that design change too um it's an interesting design <laughs> yeah yeah it's nice and smooth and round and elongated probably slippery when yeah. what but well i mean smooth round elongated kind of brings us to our next topic yep what is that? Uh, Which is not shitting. <laughs> Brings us to our current issue, our current news story that we're going to talk a little bit about. And I feel like it was hard <clears throat> to choose anything other than what's going on near us now. And that is the train derailment that happened in East Palestine, Ohio. So I'll, I'll start on this one. Um, I believe this happened a week ago today now. Um, just basically a couple hours past, exactly a week, a uh, train carrying a good bit of chemicals. <laughs> None of them good to be inhaled or to catch on fire. <laughs> Happened to derail, and we've seen evacuations, and people are now able to go back home. But for a little while there, it seemed like the situation was just getting worse by the hour, by the minute. 
um, fears of the tankers exploding and having pieces of that tanker end up a mile away, which would have been wild. Yeah. So I know that the cars, uh, 14 of them were carrying vinyl chloride, which isn't a great chemical. I mean, it's in everything that we use of plastic. It's okay. basically the basics of plastic is vinyl chloride, but it's a hazardous chemical. And when it heats up, it tends to make uh, hydrogen chloride. And when that comes in contact with water vapor, which is basically our atmosphere and the air we breathe, uh, that turns into hydrochloric acid. Oh, so. I see where the issue was then. <laughs> yeah, not not a great situation to have. Yeah, and I, lots of black clouds moving in to the east as well. Yeah, I, I heard Pittsburgh and uh, some of the lower parts of Western PA are, are getting hit with that. I wonder if that's yeah, the, I think... the dark we saw yesterday for a while. Like, the sky was just generally very, very dark. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's... You just don't expect it to happen. Uh, you think about what's being moved and how it's being moved, you really don't think, hey, strange. Not as much anymore, at least. Yeah. Um, so, when a train can basically shut down an entire area, because this yeah. reached into West Virginia, reached into Pennsylvania, and obviously it was in Ohio. So, you have people being evacuated on both sides of the Pennsylvania Ohio border. That's kind of wild to think about. Uh, not to mention, I'm sure they have to have the specialized hazmat teams to respond to it and deal with it. Yeah, EPA, I'm sure, is involved because of who knows what's seeped into the ground and, and water. I actually saw a TikTok of a person who lived, I think they said, 20 miles outside of East Palestine. And within the streams there, there was just dead fish floating. So it makes you wonder what got into the water there, what got into what people are drinking. Yeah. It's generally not a good situation, sounds like. The do you know is it just, which streams or, or waterways or is there any major rivers or anything that's being affected? Um, yeah, I can pull up a map real quick mm -hmm. here and just see if anything where it flows, where it goes. Yeah, it's because it's, it's really interesting. To, you know, how far is this going to go? Here in three months, maybe, you know, or however long it takes for a river to flow, but, you know, it could pass through however many states. Yeah, especially with the proximity to Pittsburgh, Ohio River, runs into Mississippi, that runs into the Gulf, what it could poison that whole area. We already have the Mississippi struggling with invasive species and stuff like that. This yeah, is just being able to hit on that ecosystem and not be green. Not to mention the the erratic weather patterns lately and the the, the supply chain ups and downs too. <laughs> That'll make that fun, I'm sure. So it looks like they got a couple streams going through town there, and uh, when you get onto the satellite view here, I can look at where the train line actually is. It does run over one of them here. It's Leslie Run. 
It's not probably running from the north to south. That looks like it roams straight on down this road here. And uh, it just branches like... off. It, it, it looks like it runs right into the Ohio. Uh, okay. Unfortunately. So I'm sure if, if they find anything, they should let us know about that. Yeah, we'll have to see uh, what happens. Give a little here. warning. <clears throat> we have a tough time, I'm sure. Yeah, it's not a great situation at all, especially for the people that live there. <clears throat> yeah, actually, uh, there I have family out there. Um, I I don't know if they live directly in East Palestine, but I think they live. I know they live very close, if not. But um, I see here uh, just on. Uh, their social media and stuff here, so yeah, they uh, they had to leave their house, and they went to their sister-in-law's for a little while, and they had, I think they said they had like six dogs, three cats, and five people all in that house, stuffed in there while they evacuated, and it's like, that's gotta be a bit chaotic, and just imagine... That's just them. Imagine everybody else who got out, and there's probably some people who didn't really have any place to end up going and had to figure something yeah. out. And... You uproot so many families, and it's for a good reason, but like they're letting people back in. You know, people are weary of it. Um, yeah. Our local governments don't have a great track record with things like this. You look at our state in particular with. Three Mile Island nuclear reactor there. They let just if you watch that Netflix documentary, it's nuts what went on. Just the lack of just warning these people what was happening. You had people mm -hmm. with metallic taste in their mouth, and it, it's obvious people are getting sick. They're throwing up, vomiting, and you know what's going on. They're being exposed to radiation. The area now has an increased rate of cancers. And they're still fighting for the right to get the restorations and reparations they deserve. They were put into a situation. Uh, we had knowledge of the event and waited three days, I believe, to evacuate that town, which is countless children, countless elderly people, countless people in general being exposed to radiation. So yeah. now we have this situation where it's not radiation, but it's hazardous chemicals, some of which are known cancer causes. Are we going to actually do what we need to do and tell these people, hey, it's not actually safe. Take these precautions. If you experience this, let us know. I know they already started a class action lawsuit against the train company, and we'll see where that goes. Yeah, there's a lot of working gears here, it sounds. I think I saw somewhere Absolutely. that there's like five or six different lawsuits being formed, at least. And, I mean, when you have a situation like this, that's what's going to happen. Something went wrong where this train was allowed to run, and it shouldn't have. And it's obvious. They say it's a mechanical failure, then why wasn't that caught? Who missed their chance? That's true. Near the, uh, near the Pennsylvania state line left a mangled and charred mass of boxcars, is what it says. Mm-hmm. 
I I'm see some pictures at it. of it. Looks, yeah, looks, uh, looks <laughs> fucked. Yeah, yeah, just a bunch of burnt not shit. Not great. Well. Yeah, not great. Uh, I know vinyl chloride was the main one they were concerned with, but butyl acrylate and benzene. <laughs> I don't know what butyl acrylate is. It doesn't sound great. Sounds like something you don't yeah. want to have. You get stuck in the bathroom with that for a long time. <laughs> so, a colorist, extra acrylic, is it of low acute toxicity? It's not necessarily toxic. It can be. Which, I guess, is better than not i'm pretty sure benzene's you know, pretty uh, fucked up if i remember correctly in chemistry it's uh organic yeah i mean you go um look at benzene you get all these warning pictures so <laughs> not a great thing to be out there and health effects goes to benzene um, Major sources are tobacco smoke, automobile service stations, exhaust, and industrial emissions. Exposure to benzene may lead progressively to a plastic anemia, leukemia, and multiple myeloma. So cancer. Hmm. Yeah, I s actually, that's interesting. I see <laughs> when I was looking up some information on this. Palestine derailment I see here looks like a couple years ago. Ninety-six loaded ethanol cars derailed in Kentucky. That's a lot of ethanol. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, good thing it wasn't that shit this time. It was what only what? You said five cars with stuff in them? Um, or was I there believe, a lot more? Yeah, there was 141 cars in total. And they were all loaded down with stuff? Uh, I would say most of them were 14 were carrying that vinyl chloride. Oh, that's, yeah, that's what I was talking about was the vinyl, yeah. So 14. 141 of the cars. So 20 of the 141 were classified carrying hazardous materials. 14 of those 20 being vinyl chloride. Mm -hmm. So did the whole train derail or just like a section of it? Yeah, it looks like a good section of it from the pictures. It doesn't look like there's a like 141 yeah, cars. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if the whole... It looks, unfortunately, like the section carrying all the tankers, which probably have those hazardous chemicals in them. Oh, yeah. That's... that's... <laughs> Of course, that's not the, part the ones that would you derail. want to derail. Yeah. yeah. Why can't the ones with like bird seed in them derail? Has to be the ones with the dangerous <laughs> chemicals. <clears throat> Four thousand seven hundred residents of that town alone. <laughs> so it's just your base number, you know that town wasn't the one being evacuated. So right off the bat, you have four thousand seven hundred people. Yeah, that's being a lot exposed of. To this. Directly. It's a lot of burning people with, or not burning people, but you know, like 
evacuating Super people. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't think any of them were burning. Yeah. If they were. We hope not. Feel and real bad for them. To another question. You had, this is a small town. Like this is just right outside of our border. We know how things work in our state for the most part, other than I would say Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, larger places like that. The fire department's a volunteer. Mm-hmm. They're not equipped to deal with things that take a whole government agency to determine if it's safe or not. And that's not their fault. They shouldn't be thrown in that situation yeah. to deal with immediately. There should be teams ready to deal with that situation because it's going to arise. If it wasn't going to arise, it's going to happen. Yeah, that's absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. It's it's just overall not a good situation. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it can be cleaned up and and moved forward from here yeah. as quickly and passively as possible. I guess least destructive. Absolutely. So, but I think. With that, it brings us into our next topic, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Um, Technology 101. (laughs) Here we go. I'll let you two take this. This uh, (laughs) Yeah, so I'll start us off with a big one here. Um, To me, at least. So Bing is actually now running on a new next-gen OpenAI, LLM, which stands for Large Language Model. Um, to explain what that means, it's actually more powerful than the current chat GPT chatbot, but this one's also optimized just for searching. So not only is it more powerful than the chatbot, it's also optimized to search specifically and not just answer random questions. So I thought that was extremely interesting that Bing switched over and Maybe they'll break their way up into running with Google finally. I was going to say, because I was actually reading, well, we were, there was a meeting I was having with some uh, some of my colleagues the other day, and we were talking about some AI stuff, and I saw that Microsoft was uh, embracing like the commercialized AI, and there there was one other company, but I don't remember if it was Google or not. I know that Google has been doing stuff like that, but I'm thinking it was a different company that they had mentioned. Um, trying to remember who that would have been. I mean, I'm sure I'm mm. sure Apple's probably doing something with it, but I would say probably probably yeah, mostly Microsoft and Google there. Um, that's. I'd say that's probably because uh, I'm sure Apple has something in the works, but you know how they are. They're so secretive. We'll find out in like the, maybe the March developer console that's coming up here. If they are working on anything. Um, Now uh, on the downside to that and something really interesting with these integrations um, is the current big tech layoffs that's going on. Um, See, it seems like technology is still advancing, but you're seeing, you know, thousands and in some cases, tens of thousands of layoffs per company. And they all seem to be in big tech lately. So it's kind of interesting to see progress, but decline at the same time. 
Well, it's, and it makes you wonder, like, it's kind of like a double-sided thing with some people, you know, depending on where you're at in the industry and what your role is. So AI, for some people, it's like the greatest thing, and it does so much of this and so much of that. You can do this easier and that easier. But then I'm kind of on the other side with of the people like that, I mean, I like it, but I I recognize that it can have that it has a bad effect too, and that a bad effect could be the better it gets and the more automated it gets. Obviously, it's almost always going to have some sort of human input to generate the AI to start, but that AI is going to replace jobs, mm-hmm. and those jobs are not going to be available. And yeah. who knows if they're going to pop up somewhere else? Like it may not necessarily be needed someplace else. It could be we can get to the point of we have so much automation that there is minimal human interaction needed and that's going to decrease the amount of availability in the workforce in like IT and engineering and electronics and yada yada there's the whole nine yards anything in technology infrastructure and automation is just it could be in trouble I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. It is it is scary to an extent, but, it, you know, like you said, we don't know which way it's going to go. It could it could ruin a lot of jobs, but whether the door opens for other jobs is the question. Because, I mean, if it eliminates a million jobs and creates none, then that's no good. But maybe it eliminates a million jobs people hate and opens up better paying jobs and essentially upgrades those people by default. You know, you're being replaced, but we're going to pay for your education so that we can put you back in the field where you're going to be useful mm-hmm. again. Um, you know, maybe let's say uh, you already see it at Walmart, for example, you self checkouts. So, you know, let's say they have no staff whatsoever working there. Um, they're going to have to have people to support the machines. Obviously, engineering is going to become increasing uh, overall higher level. In general, I think higher level, but overall in the tech field, there's a potential for advancement. But like you said, as we keep automating more and more and more, how long is it until we start turning the sights on our field? Uh, you know, we're, we're automating healthcare, we're automating home tech and security and stuff like that. But when do we start automating infrastructure and business? that's whenever it gets really scary for you know the engineers and everyone i guess <laughs> yeah it's like it's, i guess at what point do we draw the line yeah and it's that's also subjective because you might have some people that are like fuck the citizens keep on pushing and then there's some people who are like all right we understand yeah. that we've hit like we've hit a point where our lives are convenient enough with the AI technology we have. Let's not push our own civilization out maybe with AI capability because then, yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but for sure, like, if, if it gets to the point where AI, I mean, I guess more than it is now, is implemented into every industry a lot more heavily, that's that. I mean, yeah. that could not only take out our own field, 
but that could take out every field of occupational field. And, I mean, are we going to pay people to stay at home? No, probably not. We don't even have the the money to pay ourselves yeah. now. So. <clears throat> there, there are a lot of ups and downs with it, for sure. It's just, And I think that's, like, these tech layoffs, that's kind of eye-opening right there. Big tech. I mean, these are companies that are within the top of the world their their net worth and operating capacity is just unbelievable and they're laying people off i the companies that you look at and ah they're not in trouble they're they're showing signs that yeah they are and that's kind of scary how are we eliminating jobs and laying people off but we're still advancing <laughs> it's just i don't know it's really interesting yeah, it's kind of like <clears throat> they're driving themselves maybe like a little bit into the ground, but you know, to their, maybe to their employees or to society, they just kind of have this face on like, Oh, everything's great. We're doing nothing but advancements. And, uh, you know, it could be much worse than they're letting on. I mean, we just don't know. We're not those companies. So, yeah, it, I do welcome all the new technology. Though. It's awesome to to keep seeing stuff just flowing. It's it's what made the field the field, in my opinion. You know, I I got into it because it was not monotonous. I it was I can't stand jobs just over and over again, like day in day out, same thing, same routine. Like IT, it's always changing. It will never be yep. like that. Yeah. <clears throat> And it's just, it's the fun part of it, I think. But, yeah, it's really fun to see that. Hopefully these layoffs quit and we can get back to well, and that's, building Big Tech again. Where I, that's why I took interest in it, too. And that's kind of why I've always done, you know, the, number one, the, the interest of IT and the constant changing of it is what got me into that. And then that I, I think yeah. that kind of naturally fell from... You know, with the other things that I do, like um, mechanical stuff and electrical stuff and engineering stuff, designing and building it. I just generally like doing all that. But the changes in IT, number one, kind of change all that stuff to a degree. And then, you know, even when I was eight years old fucking up Roombas with a screwdriver, after breaking... You know, yeah, 15 of them. I figured out how to put them back together. And then that kind of led me into, oh, now let me... I, I started at that point more focusing on, you know, like the robotic programming, how that operated, and that interested me. And then, you know, learning the sensors and how they do this and how they do that, proximities, different values of switches and stuff like that. And, you know, it just kind of naturally yeah. developed into where I'm at. And that's, you know somewhere like a like a mesh of it and electric just general electrical and engineering i mean i i'm here for all of it and it is going to change all of it no matter yeah. what i think it's it's funny you the way you mentioned coming in to the field you know being a little kid playing with a toy and, and tearing it apart you know that's that's essentially the root and it just grew like 
and for me it was a silly one too you know runescape i always played runescape growing up and i was like how do you create something like this on a computer and one thing led to another coding programming software engineering java couple months down the road talking to a few people reading a couple guides you're hosting your own server doing it 12 years old like it's it's a real hobbyist field i feel like i I think a lot of the professionals in the field go home and choose to do something that pertains to what we do in the field anyway yeah it's just fun that's what i do a lot i mean i'm almost always sitting here with a laptop or a game system and and when i'm not i'm out uh I'm usually doing like electrical on a vehicle or programming on a vehicle or uh, even experimenting with uh, cabling and things like that. It's just, or um, yeah, I mean, there's just, it's always all the time. There's like never a day that I'm not really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a lifestyle. I would say not a hobby, not a job, but a lifestyle. Yeah, even even some of your guys like <clears throat> you're like basic, very basic like IT techs for the most part. The ones that aren't total hacks have it took them the ones that are semi serious. You know, just from you know an hour or so of interaction with them you get an understanding of like how you can tell that they've been doing it for a while and they've there have been generally interested versus someone who's just there to, Oh, this position sounds interesting. Let me try it. There's that's two totally different people and they're very easy to read to determine which is which. Yeah, for sure. The, the technical interviews can get ridiculous. Like, code me this a piece of this program on a whiteboard and that's a big complaint and uh, i know amongst people on like indeed and in job boards is um i type on a keyboard and write code in an ide i, I don't do it on a whiteboard it's <laughs> whenever you're not handwriting code all day it's you're not going to be trained to do that so it's it, it's very interesting field a lot of things differ from the norm oh it's you know different people do it different ways too i mean back even whenever Mm. i got into uh you know i was writing i was doing i was pulling 3d models on a computer and i was uh i was sitting there with a physical object and taking physical measurements writing it down on a scratch pad and determining what codes i needed for what and then writing it out typing it out line by line as i went and then somebody would say well uh, do the formula on this sheet and then show me how you're laying out your points. It's like, I can't because I don't know how to do that. But if you give me a physical object, I'll sit here and write code all day. And then, you know, the same thing with, uh, uh, yeah, just yeah, CNC, 3D modeling, and that, all of that. And then the same thing with any kind of coding that I ever did, which I never got hard into. But, I did some little stuff with HTML and stuff like that on just online browser stuff mainly and a few uh, like a few Java lines here there nothing ever serious but it was the same way I could not if you wanted it broken down like 
how am I doing this? It was just, once I got used to it, it was just natural. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's many different ways to go about pretty much everything in the field. I do agree with that. And it's, that's what makes it challenging, but it's what makes it fun. You can go on for hours and days. There's, There's so much. <clears throat> yeah. All right. I think that leads us into the final segment, which we're nicknaming Conspiracy Corner. Um, something we hope to do each episode. Uh, this week, we're going to be dealing with uh, experimentation and government experimentation on humans in general. Uh, so let's get that started should be fun i think uh the biggest thing yeah is mk ultra that's the one everyone knows oh yeah i just watched the movie on it that came out and i was it 2020 i think something like that yeah it was right around the time yeah not not long ago but it's a good movie i mean it, it was not your big glamorous bells and whistles fancy or anything like there were some boring parts in my opinion but I think the movie really got the point across, and that's the idea of it, was to be more of a documentary than a drama. So, um, I like it. Yeah, I mean, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, MKUltra was a human experimentation program designed by the CIA, uh, hoping to get mind control, in a sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I think me and Cody... So it's like Stranger Things. That is basically the basis of yeah. that show right there. Um, Eleven, pretty much. Eleven yeah. being a product of MK Ultra. <laughs> so yeah. that was kind of what they were attempting to do um, through the use of LSD. Uh, did not work. At least they say it didn't work. I'm sure it probably did not work. <laughs> um, the outcome of that was a lot of people who had mental disorders, a lot of people who had PTSD, things like that, that for the time were left untreated, undiagnosed, and if were treated, put into a psychiatric ward and left there to die. Um, and I think the biggest name that everybody knows that was a victim of this was the Unabomber, Tekazinski, and it led him to yeah. kill some people. <laughs> The Unibor- that was back in the 80s, oh, wasn't yeah. it? And it? Yeah. It brings to light that these weren't dumb people they were doing this on. Ted Kaczynski was at Harvard, I think, or Yale. He was definitely in an Ivy League school. So this was a kid with a lot yeah. of potential. And that all got stripped away and taken away in an instant by our government. Illegally. Um, I yeah. think... I Good. I think that's a very, very contradictive topic with a lot of people in those in the respective industries that touch on this or touch closely to it, uh, in what their professionals choose to want to believe or, or disagree with. I'm sure you can make the so, argument that, that hey, this led us to find out that LSD does not do this. But what would the yeah. odds that LSD <laughs> actually helps with that type of stuff? And, I mean, it was definitely a reach that garnered taxpayers' money. Like, that's 
a fact. They use tax money to do these experiments. And mm-hmm. I don't believe that should be the way we go about doing things. Uh, it wasn't the first, mm-hmm. and I doubt it was the last time it's happened. I mean, I got a couple cases here. Uh, so do you guys know between uh, 1932 and 1972 in Tuskegee, Alabama, they took 400 men with syphilis and decided not to treat these men and then some of them were treated and it was just to study how syphilis acted within the human body untreated versus treated. So they... Wow, okay. They injected these men with so, syphilis. Didn't huh. tell them that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of it was either. Did they just simply not say anything about um, it, and they're just saying you're taking a blind test, or did they say this might help? It was you. a this treatment like a for quote unquote bad blood. Okay, that's what they said. Wow. So they had their placebo group and stuff like that. Just they knew what worked. They knew that penicillin, antibiotics, would cure disease. They just wanted to see if anything else did. And they found out that, yeah, no, 100 people died. 40, 40 patients' wives were infected, and 19 children were born with syphilis. So, oh. Things like this scares you, like, is it going on now? If so, what are they doing now? We started out small. Diseases. Yeah, and that was that was how long ago too. Like things have advanced immaculate and I'm sure just crazy advancements over Absolutely. the years. I mean we inject the people with uranium, we inject people with radioactive iodines, check people with plutonium, just to see uh what happens. Yeah. It's always those people who are the unspoken people, the people who are, for lack of a better term, just in a vegetative state. And that's who they target some of this stuff. And people who can't say, yeah, I'm okay with it. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's, yeah, miss the, I don't know if you call that misleading or just. Simply not telling people That's anything. That's just straight up law or... Definitely yeah, just, not right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say misleading because you're just simply not telling people. You're just... Yeah. I don't really know what the good word for that would be, but you're just you're just doing shit to them like behind their back and they don't even know what the hell's going on. You're like blindsiding them. Mm-hmm. Like, here, yeah, have some aids. And- to bring us to the point where it becomes a conspiracy and not just us looking at the facts of what happened. I'm going to focus on a case here, and you guys just give me your thoughts on this. So, in New York, the northern part of New York, in like the harbor area, the Bay Area, between New York and Connecticut, there's a facility known as Plum Island. This facility is ran, I believe, by the... Uh, agricultural department and it focuses on animal diseases um so it just happens that this facility is 
off the coast of a town in Connecticut called Lyme, which had the first recorded case of Lyme disease, which is where the disease gets its name. So you have a facility that works with animals and works with diseases transmitted by animals near a town where a new disease developed that is now transmitted from ticks to humans. What's your thoughts on that? Hmm. Uh, well, so that's how it came about then. Possibly. Okay. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, and you know, Lyme is a huge issue around here with, with as many deer hunters as there are, and especially with the winters not being as cold as they are. Um, I know a lot more ticks are being found, and people are coming back covered 510 on them. After they get out of their hunting gear, yeah, so that's I always. Can't scary. tell you how many times I've had a few. I mean, I had to pick them off. Mm-hmm. I never got yeah. bit once. The thing that Gosh. I think is a very interesting is how viruses and diseases can evolve. It's just through natural processes, and you say the more human contact there is, the more likelihood. I mean. This wasn't a thing when Native Americans were hunting in the woods without any prevention of ticks. They didn't go after them at all. That's not how this started. Yeah. In Connecticut, the state, not the territory. That's just a very big coincidence, in my opinion. Um, I'm not going to get into the COVID thing and whether or not that was mainly a lie, but I do believe Lyme disease was escaped. There's just so many things. You get one animal that you release that wasn't supposed to release from that facility that is affected with it and then bang, kick back. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple as that. There's just, I was actually like, I was looking a little bit into the whole human experimentation thing and just, I I mean, I don't know that much about it. If you would have, you know, said something to me about MK Ultra a week ago, I would have thought it was a new Mortal Kombat game. I had no clue, <laughs> but I was like, then, and at that point I started to read a little bit about it and I see even here, like through the 1840s, there was a guy that uh, did like, gynecology experiments on slave women and people started getting like infections and dying and shit and from different like surgeries that didn't go right mm-hmm. and just it's just that that alone is just screwed up and there's so many more things that you just see that are documented that are just wrong 100% wrong like, how are they even allowed yeah. to do this shit? There's a lot of it these days, too, I would say. I mean, like, you have I mean, cases of yeah. the Navy spraying the harbor of San Francisco with what they thought to be a non-transmittable, non-infectious bacteria that led to people having food poisoning. <laughs> and just coming in with basically E. coli 
which is just great. <clears throat> I think that science has a good place, and I think that for things to go correctly and to find out new things about ourselves and what works to treat different things, it is necessary to move on to actually experimenting in humans. I do not believe it is moral or ethical to take the lowest from society, such as people who are in comatose states or vegetative states or people who are enslaved or in prisons and stood on them because who's going to miss them? Who's going to talk about them? Who's going to share their story? Because they can't. No one's going to believe them. I think human experimentation needs to move from preying on those who are less better off than others into a place where we're actually testing things that are helpful, not fucking mind control <laughs> and whether or not syphilis will kill people if it's untrue. Yeah, it fucking does. We knew that already. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, a lot of things get left undone. I, I think it's because nah. I'll leave that go for another day. <laughs> it's just, it scares you what, what they're doing. They don't tell us. We have no insight. Yeah. Eight, yeah, it's, it's definitely scary. 1895, intentionally infected two mentally disabled boys with gonorrhea as part of a medical experiment. A four-year-old and a 16-year-old. What the fuck was the experiment? Uh, it says, yes, yeah, it says in 1895, New York pediatrician Harry Hyman intentionally infected two mentally disabled boys, a four-year-old and a 16-year-old, with gonorrhea as part of a medical experiment. A review of the literature found more than, of the early 19th and 20th centuries, found more than 40 reports of experimental infections with gonorrheal culture, including some where gonorrheal organisms were applied to the eyes of sick children. And that's all it says. Oh. What in the fuck? Yeah, it's just wild. It's <laughs> wild. Yeah, I mean, if I were to, you know, just, uh, I, I don't know, pour gas on somebody's shoes and light it and say it was an experiment, I'm going to jail. Like, exactly. Th these guys are, you know, penetrating people's eyes with gonorrhea. And they're like, oh, it's cool. Write it down. <laughs> Experiment science. Mm -hmm. Like you even say that now. You're in Facebook jail, guaranteed, if not real jail. You're gonna have chili every yeah. day for the next six years. That's interesting. I mean, you got I don't even like You know they're fucking shit. around with shit. It's just happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. let's see what happens when I put gonorrhea into these kids' eyes. Why the fuck not? I mean, taking us back to fucking tech, Facebook literally ran their own research to see if they can manipulate users' emotions. 700,000 yeah. users. Hmm. <laughs> Where do we draw the line on tech? Doing Especially social media. I feel like social media is a monster that should be brought into control. Yeah. Absolutely can, monopoly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> they can do all that, but they won't answer your support tickets. There. Apparently, they're too busy. 
Yeah, there, there's a lot of things going on in social media right now. It's, I try to stay away from it yeah. as much as I can. Even being in the field, it's hard because you still get questions, but you try right. to stay away from the best you yeah. can. Mark Zuckerberg hears this. You need to fix my two Instagram accounts that you banned for no reason, too. Look at that, maybe. <laughs> How about that? I didn't get on the damn things. How about that? Trip to Guatemala. Um, yeah, so, so that's, I just tried to get on one day last week and bam, account was deactivated. Like, oh, that's nice. No Thanks. Places. Yeah. I've, I've literally only ever put like three images on it. Speaking, speaking of bands, I should be unbanned on cards finally. <laughs> <laughs> My little mishap. Uh, we won't talk about that. <laughs> we'll have to yeah. save that for now. Next episode, man. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The card story. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well. All right, Anthony. Yeah. To see where we're going next. I think that leads us to the end. Yeah, I, I think we're already at the I end. I think we're pretty good for tonight. Well, I thank everyone for listening. Uh, any questions? Feel free to ask us. I mean, email address is unfilteredacb at gmail.com. From our way. If you have anything you want us to discuss in the show, let us know. Thank you all. Don't hit that notification bell because we don't have one. Yeah, fuck that shit. Not yet. (laughs) Not hitting you with that yet. Subscribe and like everyone. All right, guys. This is Cody signing off here. Peace out. Time to go eat some corn.